Well, good morning. If you are here for the first time, a warm welcome. It's great to have you. I've been on holiday for a couple of weeks. It's nice to be back. Chris Vinant was um, the man. We were meeting together in a flat on the other side of the um, Ganey River in, in Durban. And uh, there were 10 of us sitting in a room together. And the Spirit of God came upon him. Afrikaans man. Grew up in an Afrikaans family with a blue-collar working dad. And he got radically saved. I think he was one of the first in his family to get a university degree. And uh, he literally, under the power of God, said, we need to plant churches, gentlemen. And uh, he literally went around our circle of friends. And he said to Ashley Bell, where are you going to go? And Ashley said, I'll go to Pretoria. And he said to Leon Bowles, where are you going to go? He said, I'll go to Brisbane. He said to Loyster Ferrer, where are you going to go? He said, I will go to Toronto. He said to Terry Kruger, where are you going to go? He said, I'm going to go to Empangeni. And he said, Rory, where are you going to go? I said, I'm going to Romania. And from that group of friends, we've planted 80 churches around the world. And, um, and one of the reasons why I invite you is because we're all still friends. We don't have a hierarchical structure. Uh, we have not dominated each other. We have financed other people's plants. Uh, we are not holding our resources. We are sending them out to help other people. We are not trying to enrich ourselves. Our salaries are under peak. And um, so they're under control. So that our expenditure is not too high. And we, when we use our finances to extend the kingdom of God, and you're part of that family, and some of you don't even know why you're part of that family. But uh, so tonight you'll find out with this passion inside of his heart for freedom. And uh, we used to, in worship, we used to stage dive. Now, I know some of you at the back row that I can see you, we, but, but there was such a radical expression of worship because the church had got stuck into its rhythms and its, and its expectations that one day we were in the Glenwood High School Hall with this massive stage, and I just saw these guys run up and race and just dive into the crowd. And uh, for about six months, we just used to see people stage dive as they expressed themselves in the freedom that Christ had brought to them. I know if we did that here, some of you would leave the church. So, so we're not doing it yet. But anything could happen. Yeah, yeah. You have to qualify, you, you, you have to have an Afrikaans name, you have to be over 60, and we'll make sure that the people catching you are very strong. But we invited a whole lot of our friends to join us tonight, they're coming from Cape Town, they're coming from Durban, they're coming from Joburg, and then tomorrow morning I just phoned one of my friends, Nico van Amerva, who's a very dear friend of ours who spoke at the call conference, he's not just built an amazing business, but he's built an amazing school called Eduplex. It's a school for the deaf. And I just said to my friends, would you like to come and see how a man built a school on his daily devotions? And every single person I invited, 38, said they would love to come. So tomorrow we're going through, because God has added new friends to us with new stories of God. And we're going to go through tomorrow with Nico. And uh, my mates in Durban and Joburg and Cape Town are going to see how this group of people is being used by God to extend the kingdom. Amen. So, so it's, a, it's a happy time, and then tomorrow night is our, the church that we came from is Glenridge. All their elders are driving up, and we are throwing a party for them just to celebrate their 40 years. So there's lots happening in the church. Trust God, you're not just walking into a new group of people in a cool building, and it is a cool building, but it's actually it's a 40-year history of sacrifice and of servant-heartedness and of, of just living together and serving each other and giving meals to each other and looking after people and... Yesterday I was in jail, visiting a member of this church. 
and, and you realize you just built the kingdom one person at a time, one broken person at a time, many times, you know. And the court case you've been seeing that's going on in New Zealand, the father of those children is sitting in this auditorium today, and the brother of the lady on trial is sitting in this auditorium. And so we, we're trusting God, and we're seeing miracles, and we're seeing growth, and we're seeing all these things. But inside of the hearts of many people here is deep brokenness. And uh, we are coming together to worship God, and we keep declaring Jesus over you, and we keep declaring His goodness over you. And we trust that if we stick together, God will eventually win and have His way in your life. Amen? So that's who we are. Welcome to 3CI. It's good to have you. We, we're going to preach on a guy called Barnabas. I've actually, funny enough, I've preached through the book of Acts many times. I've never preached on Barnabas before. You've heard one or two things about him. But if you can turn with me to Acts 11, uh, Clint always calls me Barnabas. But uh, we'll see if I'm more like Barnabas or like Paul. Paul is uh, the, the, the driven guy. He's on a mission. He wants to get the gospel to the ends of the world. And the question I always ask our staff is, what is your contribution to the forward momentum of the apostolic inheritance in sub-Saharan Africa and beyond? If you think that was by chance, I can say it again. What is your contribution to the forward momentum of the apostolic inheritance in sub-Saharan Africa and beyond? And Conrad just normally looks at me and says, can I make you lunch? So, Conrad, I'm looking for something spiritual. I'm going to get up and raise the dead or preach on Jesus or see healings and miracles. And, and all the girls in the office like look at me and think, we don't know what you're saying, Rory. I'm saying, how do we get this gospel out there? Yeah. We read the book of Acts, but then we come across Barnabas. I, I met a guy today in the foyer, Simon Brace. The last time I met him was as a backslidden man in England 20 years ago coming back to Christ in a little church in England. I met him there and we got talking and I said about Matthew chapter 1, how God takes broken people and makes them better. And I met him in the foyer today. He's friends with one of the members of our church. He's married with five children. I preached on go forth and multiply. He, he, he took me seriously. He's got two master's degrees in theology and apologetics. He's about to crit my sermon. I'm terrified. But friends, what, what, what will happen today in, in, in 20 years' time? Where will you be? Where will you be every time? What, when you come tonight and you realize that actually God can use you and he can, he can ordain you and He can put His Spirit upon you and He can send people all over the world. Amen? So let's have a look. Acts 11 verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also. So you Greek oaks, lacquer. Most of the Greek oaks in our church married poorers. Better for business. <laughs> I can call them all out here for you. Every Greek guy's got a poorer wife. It's like, hey, China, it's for love and business. You know what I'm saying? You get a wife and a business all thrown into one. You know what I'm saying? You think I'm joking? Hey, George? Hey, George and Nico, what is your wife's name? They went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. 
The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Just some of them went, eh? Just, just some of them. Say some of them. Some of them. Not, not Rory, not Chris Vinant, not Leon Bowles, not, just some of them. Just some of them went. Not guys who were elders in the church, not guys who had spent 30 years serving Jesus. Just some of them went. You, sir, you, ma'am, you sitting in the second to back row, you, Simon Brace, who's got a double theology degree and master's and working into eight campuses in South Africa, just some of them went and trusted God. So this church starts to grow. News of this reached the ears of the church at Antioch. That was the base church. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. It's incredible scripture. This church is starting to grow. It's full of Greeks. <laughs> and they decided, who should we send? We've got Peter. We've, we, 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 we've got John. We've got Matthew. We've got Stephen. We've got all these guys that are qualified. Who should we send? Which guy should we send there? We're going to send Barnabas. Why? Why does a church need Barnabas? Well, let's look, about, look at, let's look at Barnabas. Acts chapter 4. Let's have a look in Acts chapter 4 and verse 36 and 37. It says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called? Barnabas. Say it. Barnabas. Which means son of encouragement. Say that with me. Son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. Wow. About six weeks ago, we had the headmaster of Maritzburg College sitting here. And uh, every time my son played rugby last year, I used to write to the headmasters of the schools hosting us, and I'd say, thank you so much for hosting us. This is what I loved about your school. This is where I saw the grace of God working. And through that letter that I wrote to him, he became my friend. He invited me to preach in his school, and then he stayed back one day after they played offies, and he came to church here. He got up and greeted us. He sent me a picture from Queen's College. Queen's College is in Queenstown. It is the most transformed school in South Africa. It is the most successful transformed transform school in South Africa. You'll see articles on Queen's College. You'll see Queen's College's rugby team. It is, the, it, it is, it is a Model C church, a school that has become black, fully black, integrated, and highly successful. And the headmaster of Marisburg College sent me a photograph with himself in it, and behind there, the donors, and the founder donor, the main founder donor of that school was Ian Dyer. My dad was a Queen's College old boy. And he sent me that I've never missed my dad so much as I did on Friday. I eventually had to leave the office and I went home and I just sobbed. And I thought, I am the son of Ian Dyer, who was the original seed planter into a school that is transforming this nation. The son of Ian. But when they needed somebody to go to the church, they called, they called for the son of, say it, encouragement. My, my dad was the greatest encourager. I don't want to just be known as the son of Ian. I want to be known as the son of encouragement. That when the man whose children were killed in New Zealand comes to our church and sometimes sits in the shadows of the back row of this church because he doesn't want anybody to see him, I want him to come here and receive courage. Not not a, not a personality of a preacher who's excited. The fact that Jesus Christ died for him and in his deepest pain, as Jesus was squeezed, as the Father squeezed him, that the pain of the squeezing of Christ 
is greater than the pain that he's going through right now. And somewhere, that courage of the blood of Christ will start to run into his veins. I've got friends here that right now are on medication for burnout. They have had nervous breakdowns. They're sitting here on mental health medication. And they've got to sit under the word to know that Jesus will encourage them. Jesus will stand with them. Jesus will eventually heal them. They don't have to give up and they don't have to kick out and they don't have to run away. And I lost my best Afrikaans friend in a combine harvest accident. And there's a man here today, he, he's, he was friends and I was friends and him and I have never been friends. We just never connect. We just have no chance. But he's here this morning because we share a common friend. And if anything, I just hope today, Gerard, you get encouraged. Just to keep going. I miss my friends sometimes. We used to go to a restaurant sort of two or three times a year and have a steak together. I go there by myself sometimes. I just sit there. Just think of my mate. My Afrikaans mate who put his arm around me and said, Come, Engelsman. Ons gaan fietsere, jy is te vet. What do you need, friends? You lack courage today. You don't know what to do. You're in the right place. It's fine to have Paul on the mission who's going to go and change the world. But sometimes we just need to stop and say, hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Your kids are going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I've got stories about gay children. I've got stories about drugs and alcoholics. I've got stories about divorced people getting healed. Just keep coming. We'll preach Jesus. And whatever it is, you'll eventually find enough courage. Stand. There's a church in Antioch that's starting to grow. Who should we send? Let's send a guy who's going to encourage them. It's going to build them up. Amen. And it says he sold a field he owned and bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. He didn't say where the money should go. He just bought the. He sold the field and he just put it at the apostles' feet and he said, "You you you leaders decide where this money goes because this piece of land is spare." Love is generous. Love is just generous. And anything extra that we, that we, 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 we don't have to save for our grandchildren's grandchildren's grandchildren. We, we've got people in the church that are needy. And, and, and we just need people to sometimes dispose of their assets and bring it to the apostles and say, will you distribute this amongst the church? That's the kind of people that look after the church. Just generous people. man was sitting here the other day, Robert Owen, with, with, a, with a puffer jacket on. And a lady walked up to him and said, can you open your jacket? And, and he said, why? She said, no, I just want to open the jacket. You know the story, he opened the jacket. And she put one and a half million rands worth of gold coins and did the jacket up. And walk. She said, that's to help you with this thing. You know what this thing is? This thing is people that are, have lost their children. This thing is people that have lost their jobs. This thing is people that have lost their families. This thing is people that have... Thank you. Thank you. Acts chapter 9, are you with me? Welcome, it's nice to see you. Yo, I'd love to be known as a son of encouragement. 
anytime anybody comes into my presence, that they would leave with something inside. Not, 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 not positivity. Not positivity. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Paul gets saved. He's a radical anti-church guy, anti-Jesus guy. He's breathing out threats. And in verse 26 of Acts chapter 9, it says this. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But, say it. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Sometimes we just need somebody to introduce us to somebody. So we need. Or somebody to take a chance with us. Why am I inviting you tonight? Because I love Chris Vinant. I don't hero worship him. I don't glorify him. But I do honor him because he's the man that looked at me and said, you, God's called you to preach. And I had a business lined up. And my dad was going to put me into his business. And he owned seven petrol stations. And I was going to grow the family business. And Chris Vinant looked at me and said, God's called you to preach, young man. And I said, but I've never read the Bible. He says, this Sunday you're preaching. And I preached my first sermon. And he said, well done. You could have done this. You could have done that. Three weeks later, I preached another sermon. And he said, that was so good. You're preaching again tonight. I said, Chris, I've got nothing to say. He said, then you better find something. <laughs> and in those days, we used to still have those telephones. I phoned him. I said, I've got 10 minutes. That's all I've got. He said, then make it the best 10 minutes you've got. And I stood up in a congregation of 1,000 people. And I preached for 10 minutes. That's all I had. And I stepped down and he got up and he said, you know what I loved about Rory's preach? These three things. And he took 30 minutes to build a sermon around my 10 minutes. You know why I want you to come tonight? Because Barnabas was reflected in Chris Vinan's life that affected my life that is affecting your life. That is affecting Stephen's life. And when Stephen preaches, and we preach together for 10 years, I don't think in 10 years I've ever corrected him, have I, Stephen? I don't think so. Every single Tuesday, Stephen, this is what I loved about your preach. This is what I loved about your preparation. This is what I loved about the stories you told. We've got to have somebody who can take you to the next step while everybody else is dodging you. Amen? So let's have a look at Acts 11 more stories. I hope you're with me. Verse 22. News of this reached the ears of the church of Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and he saw the evidence of the grace of God. Say that. He saw the evidence of the grace of God. He was glad and he encouraged them. Of course he encouraged them. So all he ever did, he encouraged people. He was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. That has probably been the most influential scripture in my ministry life. When he arrived, he saw the grace of God. You know, friends, we are trained to find the fault. Every one of us. If you're an engineer, you will go through a structure and you'll find where the weakness is and you'll make sure that the weakness gets fixed. 
If you're an eye doctor, and there are eye doctors here. I had some problems with my eyes, and I went to the eye doctor. He's sitting here, and he, and he looked at my eyes. He said, actually, you've got a rash on the top of your things. They, they are, you're trained to find the fault. But I don't know if you know that. That eye doctor also makes salt pepper grinders. So when we did the salt series, I get these beautiful salt grinders made by the eye guy. And I think the eye guy is just an eye guy, but he's actually a carpenter too. The, the evidence of God's grace is everywhere. And, 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 and if you're a teacher, you'll, you'll go through your students and you'll write a report about not just what they've done well, but what they've done wrong. When Barnabas arrived there, he just expressed the evidence of God's grace. And, and you and I, are friends, are fault finders. You can come here, you say the worship's too loud, the worship's too long, the preaching's too this, Rory's too that. You can come and find the fault. I've got plenty faults. Or you can come and think, flip God, can you use an English guy who grew up in the free state, went to school in Natal to come to Pretoria to preach the gospel? When I was a schoolboy, my dad bought a, we went to Nelspred Worst School, Rob Ferreira, we played against them. You know the story, we went into Nelspred Worst School dining room, and the whole school burst out laughing, and a little boy came across, he said, Wie ist die Kaptein? I said, Ek is die Kaptein. He said, Ons Kaptein wil weet, hoekom jylle stitte nie saam met jylle eet vandag nie? Why are your props not eating with you? They were eating, they were just small. <laughs> Ek sê, het sê vir jou kaptein, jou stitte gaan baie swaar kry vandag, van ons jong, laat die Engelsman gaan jylle opvande. <laughs> but my dad bought a, a, a timeshare unit at Sabi River Bungalows in 1988, and they've been going there ever since, and I went there this week. And we were driving to Kruskop, and I saw a little sign that says, Church Unlimited, and you know from that rugby tournament that we planted a church in White River. God told me I must plant a church in White River. We planted a church in White River. That church from White River has now planted a church in Hazyview. This time last Sunday, I walked into the church in Hazyview. It was planted from the church that we planted from my schoolboy rugby tour. And I'm staying at the bungalow that my dad bought in 1988. And I walk into this church and I'm studying Barnabas and I'm thinking, I don't want to know if the hall is clean or dirty. I don't want to know. I just want to see the evidence of God's grace. And I walked in there, and there was a guy sitting down. He's a big oak. Sitting down, he said, Welcome, my mate. He said, Donkey, my mate. He says, Your ears are here. I said, Yeah. And I walked in, and I sat in the back row. And then, then I could see this sort of rustle. Maybe they recognized me or something. So somebody came and said, hi. I said, hi. <laughs> said, how are you? I said, I'm fine. Said, where are you from? I said, where do you think? <laughs> said, you're from Pretoria? I said, I might be. <laughs> said, could you be? I said, yes. <laughs> said, welcome, Rory. I said, thank you. <laughs> and I sat through the worship of this 28, 29-year-old girl, and I would have thought... Somewhere when she was six or seven, her parents would have sent her to guitar lessons because they would have known somehow that one day in a little church in Hazyview, they're going to need a worship leader. And so I didn't ask, was she in key or not in key? I just sat and I just worshiped and the presence of God touched me and filled me. I just sat in the background, I just sobbed. 
And I just felt this girl, this young girl, 28 years old, on a guitar, just leading worship, believing every single word that she said because the evidence of the grace of God was present in a little church in Hazy View. That guy's out of key. This guy's, don't worry about that. And the man got up to preach. And his name is Marius. And his daughter plays in our band. She's the violinist. And his son comes to this church. And I thought, I want to know how. And, and, and I just sat there. And, and I, I had my notebook out, which was actually given to me by Nico. And I was taking notes. And I was agreeing with him. And he believed everything he said. And as he held the Bible, I just loved the way. I love it when people preach on the Bible. It doesn't mean you have to preach on the Bible. But just the way he handled the Bible was just, I saw the evidence of God's grace. And then they offered me coffee and I had an amazing, and when I left there, I got into my car and thought, the presence of God is there. I want to send people, and, and we, used, we got trained to go into churches and tell them what was wrong. The guy at the door is not friendly enough. The, 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 the worship guys are not engaged enough. And we tell people, what, now I just go into church and I say, these are the 10 things where I saw God working. You arrived one Sunday with your family. A couple of weeks after we came, you sat in the second row. You, you, you have been through highs and lows in your business. You have never missed a service when you're in town. Never. You have never stopped loving your wife. Your children are all serving God. Your grandparenting is of another level. Your life of prayer and faith in your business has been unbelievable. You have a superb gift of encouragement over people's lives. And through your difficult times, you have helped people through many, many difficult times. You are a good man. You are a righteous man. You are full of the Holy Spirit. And it is a privilege to serve God with you. You see why they sent Barnabas? It's a good oak. And then there's an amazing thing if you look at Acts 13, if you can just put the scriptures up quickly, one after the next. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit set aside for me, say Barnabas and Saul. Next scripture. Barnabas and Saul. Say Barnabas and Saul. Next scripture. Oh, 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 oh. Next one. Oh, oh. Oh, demotion. Demotion. Rory and Stephen, Rory and Stephen, Rory and Stephen, Rory and Stephen. And then we're going to do series. It's going to be Stephen and Rory. And then how do you feel, Rory? How do you feel when Stephen starts preaching better than you? Because that's what happened. Barnabas was the main guy and Paul was the second. And then it went Paul and Barnabas. And then a little bit later goes Barnabas and Paul again. And then goes Paul and Barnabas. You see, in the world, that's a demotion. In the church, it doesn't matter. Yeah? Acts 15. We'll finish with this. There's, there's a whole lot more, but let's have a look. Acts 15 and verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas... Let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where he, we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia. 
See, Paul's on a roll now. We're going to get to the ends of the earth. And Barnabas is saying, hey, but there's some folks who are taking strainage. And we've got no worry about that. We've got to get to the end of the world. But, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted him in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, the Greek oaks. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Friends, you can actually have sharp disagreements in the church. We can actually disagree. Hopefully we don't part company, but we can part company. You are not committed to 3CR for the rest of your life. That's the good news. There might be some things about me that you don't like, and we'll part company, and you will not lose your inheritance. Your inheritance is not linked to 3CR. Your inheritance is linked to Jesus. And so if we have a sharp disagreement and you come and you say to me, Rory, I don't like this. I say, but I do like this, but I don't like this, but I do like this. I cannot say to you, if you leave here, you're going to lose your inheritance. That's what some churches say. You can't lose your inheritance. Your inheritance is linked to Jesus. So if there are things that you don't like about us and we end up parting company, what God usually says, is Paul right or is Barnabas right? You actually realize they were both right. And God doubles up his mission on a disagreement. And so that's just the life. And, and actually, you see more and more about Paul and less and less about Barnabas. But let's have a look at Colossians chapter 4. And we see, why did Barnabas act like this? My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Then you think, whoa, my cousin. He's my cousin. That's how the Greek folks operate. Why you look after him? We've got the mission. He says, oh, it's my cousin. She said, how's he your cousin? Well, my grandmother and his aunt were together at school. He's my cousin. <laughs> Ask the Greeks. The chin is my cousin. You chin how? They, they can't tell you how, but my cousin. And then the Poros have got another whole lot of cousins. So they marry in, and they say, now you've got like a Greek Pora cousin operation. And there are a lot of them in the church. We've got to be careful. But these oaks haven't met the Krobles doll cousins. Krobles doll cousins, that's another whole movement of cousins. But look what it says. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. So they've split. Barnabas has looked after Mark, who's given up the ghost. He's invested in him. And all of a sudden, Mark has changed, and he's actually coming right. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in who's speaking. Paul, he's helpful to me in my ministry. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. She who is in Babylon, that means Rome, chosen, this is Peter writing, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son. This is a guy who wrote the epistle of Mark. He wrote, wrote the gospel of Mark. He's like a write-off. It's like, get rid of him. We're on a mission. We're going to change the world. We're going to plant churches in Impangani and in, in, in Butplas, and we're going to plant churches in Hazyview, and we're going to plant churches in Toronto. But hey, we've got a couple of guys that are battling. Okay, we need some people in the church that will encourage them, that will take them in, that will stop the mission, that will love them, will look after them, that will care for them. And many people think I'm more like Paul. 
I am much more like Barnabas than Paul. I will stop the mission for any one person in the life of the church. And it's been one of the greatest pains of my life because this thing has got a leadership that's needed a leadership. But the individual need of people is deeply important to me. How do we build the church? With Paul, the upfront, A-type personality who wants to change the world. And with Barnabas, the gentle-hearted, compassionate encourager who's prepared to stop the mission to make sure that he can maybe bring one guy through who will end up writing the gospel of Mark with Peter. Who's right? Paul or Barnabas? They're both right. And we can disagree and we can actually both be right. And that's how we build a healthy community. God bless you.